just like muscles need exercise. If it's to become strong and healthy, our faith has to be exercised also. In order to grow, it needs action, or as James put it, faith without works is dead. But faith isn't blind. It's not haphazard. Thinking that if we believe something strongly enough, we can claim it for our own and make it happening, happen. Knowing how to exercise it and what actions to take requires direction. The question for us this morning is, where does that direction come from for your faith? As one writer pointed out, faith is not the act itself. It's the attitude behind the act. What do our actions arise from? From God? From our own desires? From an attempt to please or impress others? Now, sadly, there's a popular but errant teaching on faith today that makes the self rather than God the center, believing that if you want something and believe hard enough, you can claim it and it's yours. Forgetting that Peter didn't climb out of the boat and start walking to Jesus on the water because he wanted it badly enough, but because Jesus spoke and called him to come, and he responded. As long as his faith was focused on what Jesus was calling him to, he was fine, but when he started, he started to sink when he started looking around at other things. Moses did not part the Red Sea by the power of his beliefs and positive confessions, but by a response to God's word. And Daniel didn't survive the lion's den, and his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego survived the fire by claiming their authority and standing on the, but by standing on the word of God that said, worship him only. Faith does not originate with us. It comes from, it is initiated by God, or as Paul said, it is by grace are you saved through faith that is not of or from yourself. It's a gift of God, not of works, so that none of us can boast. There was a boy and his mother who went into a neighborhood drugstore, and on the counter by the cash register was a large jar filled with candy. When they came, it came time to pay for the items they were going to get, this boy noticed that jar, and he couldn't take his eyes off of it. The owner noticed that, and he smiled at the boy and asked simply, would you like some of the candy? The boy, who had never been short of words before, just stood there and nodded. The owner said, go ahead and take some. The boy just stood there, frozen in place. So the owner said again, go ahead and take a handful. Still, the boy just stood there, unmoving. So the owner took off the lid, reached in his hand, grabbed a handful of it, and gave it to the boy, who quickly filled his pockets with it. And when they had gone outside, the mother asked him, why didn't you take a handful of candy when the man asked you to and said it was okay? The boy simply said, because his hands are bigger than mine. <laughs> Whose hands are you living out of, your own or God's? Whose are bigger? Faith is living out of God's hands. For it to grow, we not only need to act, we need to take the correct actions. And for that, we need God's direction. The primary source for his direction comes not from how we feel or what we think or want. It comes from God in his word. And that's why we read and study the Bible. 
Fire needs fuel to burn, and the Bible is like fuel for our faith, so it can burn brightly as it provides direction and gives it something to act upon, so we're not relying on the size of our own hands, but on God's hands. Faith grows when he speaks and we respond. Paul said, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness so that the people of God will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In other words, God's word is given so that you know what to do with your faith, how to act. You know, we read newspapers and magazines. We spend time on the internet and watch TV. But are we reading God's word, spending the time to get to know and hear from God? Because unless the Lord builds the house, its laborers build in vain. And the way he builds is on the foundation of Jesus Christ as revealed in his word. Don't forget the words of Jesus who said in Matthew 7, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came. The streams rose, the wind blew, and beat it against it, yet it did not fall. How do you build your house on his words if you not read it and get to know it? We need God's word in our life if our faith is going to grow. It gives it direction. Romans 10:17 says, Faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It's the most explicit verse I know of in Scripture, which states in such a categorical way, this is how your faith will grow. And whether it's reading or listening or studying or memorizing, healthy faith has to be exercised. And for that to happen, it needs to be based upon what God is saying. Because it doesn't matter, after all, what if we say we believe that the Bible is true, that it is God's word, if we don't bother to get to know it. Yet national studies consistently show there's an alarming decline in biblical literacy in our country. We are fast becoming a nation ignorant of the word of God. In something called the Index of Leading Spiritual Indicators, George Barna noted that 90% of Americans own a Bible. One in four of us will buy a new Bible in any given year but only a third of us have read it during the past week. And only 18% read it every day. And a more recent study found that it's only 11% now read God's word every day. And more than half read it less than once a month or even less. Perhaps more alarming, 23%, about one in four born-again believers say they never read God's word on their own. That led one person to comment that if all the church members who were neglecting their Bibles dusted them off simultaneously, it would be the worst dust storm in history. (laughs) What it's led to is things like 80% of the public wrongly believe that God's word contains the saying, God helps those who help themselves. A couple of years ago, President Obama created a stir with this quote when he said, I trust in God, but God wants, us, wants to see us help ourselves. When asked about this, his press secretary, James Carney, said, well, I believe the, Bi- the phrase from the Bible is, the Lord helps those who help themselves. And when challenged on it, the White House later had to admit that the phrase isn't in the Bible at all. 
you know, nearly 65% of the U.S. population doesn't know the message of John 3.16 that we take for granted. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Only 50% could name any one of the four Gospels. 10% thought Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. Another study found that 75% believe that the Bible is the word of God. 84% said the Ten Commandments are still valid today. They just don't happen to know what those commandments are. And unfortunately, the problem doesn't stop there because after hearing statistics like this, there's a professor at Wheaton College in Illinois, which is a strong evangelical Bible college, tested incoming freshmen, most of whom were from churched upbringings, and found that when given a list of Abraham, the Old Testament prophets, the death of Christ, and Pentecost, one-third of them couldn't arrange them in the proper order. A third of them could not identify Matthew as an apostle, which led him to state, today we seem to want to teach timeless Christian things that spring from those stories while leaving the stories themselves behind. We want to be told how to apply the Bible, but we don't want to hear what God says. Do you realize that most of you here, sitting here today probably have more Bibles in your home, unused, than entire churches have in many parts of the world? What good is having it if we're not going to read it? Do you remember Verl Henderson's favorite saying, the only good Bible is a red Bible? And it provides the bedrock of our faith. So a Christian without knowledge of God's word is like a carpenter without a level or basic tools. We may catch a glimpse of God in creation, but it's his word that he most fully reveals himself to us. There's no reliable information about him apart from his word. And you'll know nothing about Christ apart from it because it's where it reveals him. Ignorance of scripture, John, uh, Jerome said, is ignorance of Christ. So the issue becomes, what are we going to do about it? Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. There are many ways our faith grows, using our gifts, ministering, worshiping, but all of them must be based upon God's word, providing the direction faith needs. God speaks, we listen and act, and our faith grows. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And then goes on to show what the writer meant by faith by listing all the various heroes of the faith like Abraham and Moses and Jacob. In each case, faith originated with and was directed by God. They heard God speak. They took action based upon what he said. Faith is seen by our response to God and grows as a result, or as Paul says, faith comes from hearing, and faith and hearing by the word of God. Or as he said in Romans 1, from faith to faith, for the righteous will live by their faith. Even our salvation itself is simply a response to God. He speaks in Christ, who is called the word, God manifest in flesh, and we are saved by grace through faith. When we accept that word into our lives, we agree with God. We are sinners separated from God. We are unable to save ourselves by anything we do. So God sent Christ to live 
to die for our sins, taking the punishment we deserve upon himself, raised from the dead on the third day, and the moment we accept that word into our hearts and lives, the word becomes flesh. We are saved. Rather than consider it a burden to read, maybe we need to start considering the benefits of God's word, which really are considerable. Consider just one psalm. If you're worn out, tired, not so much physically, but spiritually and emotionally in time, or in need of a time of refreshing and revival, God's word said, the law of the Lord is perfect. It revives or it restores the soul. At a time when there's so much relativism and ambiguity, where there's all types of conflicting messages about things and what's right and what's wrong, God's word says, the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. If we're discouraged and down, the precepts of the Lord are right. They give joy to the heart. If we're seeking purpose and meaning and direction, something to give our lives to and become excited about again. It says the commandments of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. When every newscast and politician, every public speaker speaker, puts their own spin on things, you need to find something to believe and trust in. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. So much so, the psalmist said, that the word of the Lord is more precious than gold and sweeter than honey. Elsewhere, the psalmist said, it's a defense against temptation. Thy word have I hid in my heart so I might not sin against thee. It's a light to my feet, a lamp for my path. It's a way of purity for how can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word, it says. Romans 12.2 says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And renewal comes through God's word. That's why John could say God's commands, his word, is not burdensome. And aside from salvation, perhaps the greatest benefit of all, it's in his word that we find direction for our faith to grow. The evangelist D.L. Moody said, I prayed for faith and thought that someday it would come down and strike me like lightning. But faith didn't seem to come. One day I read in Romans that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And up to this time I had closed my Bible and prayed for faith. Now I opened my Bible and began to study and faith has been growing ever since. We need to put ourselves in a position where growth can happen. Whether it's through listening or reading or studying God's word. Imagine an athlete who doesn't exercise, or a musician who doesn't practice, or an artist who doesn't paint, or a teacher who doesn't teach it, or a footballer or a basketball team refusing to practice and only showing up for the games and yet expecting to win. Isn't that what we are doing in our lives when we refuse to be equipped by the source that God gave us? It's like never practicing and just showing up to play once a week in church. We're too busy to read or hear. It says we're not really seeing as important or relevant to us. How do you face the world without the word, which is the sword of the spirit, it says. Haddon Robinson, who is professor currently at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, said that when his grandson was small, he became enamored with the Olympics 
particularly the medal ceremonies, and especially when an American won. And it wasn't too long until he started standing on a chair every time the medal ceremony began, and he was acting like he had won the medal. So his mother cut out a circle from a cereal box, and she painted it gold and put a ribbon around it, and then she began to give him that gold medal every time he stood on that chair. A couple weeks later, he was with his grandfather, and his grandfather, Haddon Robinson, asked him if he would walk with him to the store. He said it was about a tenth of a mile. The boy said, no, it's too far. So Haddon Robinson said, if you want to be an Olympic athlete, you have to train. The boy said, Grandpa, I don't want to train. I only want the medal. (laughs) That's how it can be in life. We want the medal without the work. We want the reward without the effort. We want to be close to God, but not take the time to get to know him as he reveals himself. Paul said we are to discipline ourselves for godliness. And discipline means being in God's word. Reading scripture does take work. It takes effort to systematically read through God's word, to spend time with him daily. Yet we're promised in James 4, 8, that if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. Paul said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He told Timothy, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Or as the King James puts it, Study to show yourself approved to God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That New American Standard simply says, be diligent to present yourself approved by God. His word isn't given to increase our knowledge, it's given to change our lives. Because we get to know the life changer. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So I have a challenge for us this year. There are 66 books in the Bible, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New, 1,189 chapters, 929 in the Old Testament, 260 in the New, which means that if you average just over three chapters a day, you can read through the whole Bible in a year. Or looking at another way, depending on your particular Bible notes and print size, it's between 1,500 and 2,000 pages. So about five pages a day, and you can read the Bible through in one year if you've never done that. I read about just this week about a man who was just starting to fall in love with God's Word, and he was in a terrible accident. He lost his hands. His face was burned, so he lost the feeling in his face. He was blinded. He couldn't read God's Word. But he taught himself to read Braille with his tongue. And at this point, he's read the Bible through four times. You know, we spend more time reading the newspaper oftentimes than we spend reading God's Word. But if that sounds too daunting, consider at 260 chapters or about 250 pages, if you read about three chapters a day or three pages a day, you can read the New Testament before Easter if you start at the beginning of the year. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Psalmist said, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. 
God told Moses in Deuteronomy 6. These commandments and law commandments, these are different phrases for God's word. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Do you get the feeling God wants us to know what he says in his word? Our faith to grow needs to be in his word. It's like fuel to burn brightly. That's why... Bible study is so important, to be in God's word, to get to know him. Donald Whitney is professor of biblical spirituality and associate dean at Southern Baptist Seminary in Kentucky. He's also founder of something called the Center for Biblical Spirituality. He has stated, there is no spiritual discipline more important than the intake of God's word. Nothing can substitute for it. There is simply no healthy Christian life apart from a diet of the milk and the meat of Scripture. We find time for other things in our lives. How about getting to know God in His Word? Because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Father, help us to know You. Not just to know about You or to listen to others talk about You, but to get to know You as You have revealed Yourself in Your Word. God, you've given it for that purpose. Through it, we find life because we find Jesus. Through it, we find hope because we find you. And in finding, we find eternal life. We thank you, God, for your word, which is your gift to us. Amen. Amen.